Well, hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue. Uh, whether you're watching this on video on YouTube or you're listening on podcast, thanks very much for joining us. As ever, thanks very much to uh, charleslouis.co.uk, the Chartered Mortgage Advisors, who have been the sponsor all season. Really appreciate that, guys. And if you're thinking about uh, taking out a mortgage uh, once we get the other side of this terrible lockdown or your business wants to get some mortgage advice, Check them out, charleslouis.co.uk, uh, and tell them, of course, that, uh, that I sent you. Now, the purpose of today is it being, as we record this, just after the time when David Silva was scheduled to make his last home Premier League appearances, or appearance. It could change, of course. I mean, there's talk of an extension to his contract. We don't know quite what's going to happen as we record this in terms of the season resuming. But if this had been his last home Premier League appearance, we would have all said a tearful farewell. So I've got the gang together um, to give us a little bit of reaction to that. Um, so let's start with Adam. Um, David Silver is obviously a player you've you've watched throughout your uh, City supporting career. Where where does he rate? I mean, how good is David Silver? Is he is he your favourite player? Um, oh, he's de he's definitely up there. I mean, I've not got a a massive list of players that I've seen. Obviously, I'm only 21, so I've sort of grown up watching David Silver. Uh, when we signed him um, in 2010-ish, that's sort of when, that's when I can really remember in detail seasons. That was probably one of the first seasons I can really remember. So I've sort of known David Silver's always sort of being there with the, these seasons that I've, that I've known in detail. And we just know how important he is. When he arrived in that summer of him and Yaya, they... They really kick-started things, I feel like. They were, they were the catalyst for, I think, the success that came later on. Um, so I think it's important that we mention David, certainly in the same vein as Yaya and Vincent Company, those sort of, um, that trio, if you like. And you talk about... Um, not Sergio. You're not mentioning Sergio in there. Oh, maybe make it a, make it a quartet then. Is that, is that right? A quartet? <laughs> but yeah, perhaps so. so the Beatles, always, the new um, Beatles. Yeah, exactly. So we've got like, you know... We've got Lee Bell and some of the of the past, and we get we get told about how great they were back in the day. And I can just imagine that in you know 50, 60 years, if I make it out of this lockdown, um, then I'm going to be telling my hopefully my my grandkids about about how good David Silver was, and he will be one of those players, probably the first player that I mention um, alongside David Silver, Vincent Company, and Yaya Torre. So yeah, he's certainly certainly up there. He's an absolute joy to watch, and um, just seeing him the, the passes that sometimes that he makes are just unbelievable and like Kevin De Bruyne makes those now and um, he's, he's mesmerising at times yeah brilliant Tell me who who it is of you all really that you know that is feeling the pain the most today I mean we're all in a strange environment at the moment where some people are saying they're not missing the football because of how serious the world is out there um, but also there is the sort of other side of it, which is we're missing the last game of David Silver. Has it, has it all been in your collective minds that today would have been a game at the Etihad Stadium and a waving goodbye to him? Yeah, it's, it's maddening, isn't it, really, when you, when you think about um, the fact that, you know, two and a bit months ago, we, we still had loads of games to go in the season and, you know, we've got, we had, what was it, six home games left. So we had six opportunities to watch him. Potentially an FA Cup final, semi-final as well, up at Newcastle. So we'd had about nine or ten games to watch him in and it would have been brilliant. But I've still, I'm still i still in a bit of hope out that we might we might still get to see him again if the season resumes. And 
I think if David was asked the question, he'd definitely want to carry on playing and um, and then move at the end of the season, whenever that may be. Come on, Harlan, you're the you're the one who talks tactics and everything like that, and you 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 love to analyse games. Is David Silver the best player ever to play in your time as a Manchester City player? If you to consider everything, and you got to look at how creative he is. Um, the fact that when we signed him, he could play out on the left as well. Um, you know, he was playing as a left winger at Valencia and then tucked him inside and he was playing on a great side with him and, and that. And you just look at, he can do everything, can't he? I mean, maybe he's been criticised over the years for not scoring too many goals or having a bang when he's when he's had the opportunity. But David can do everything, can't he? He can, he can set things up. He, he starts, you know, counter-attacks. He scores goals. The one at Blackpool's one that stands out to me. He can turn players inside out and send them to own bargains for some biscuits. Well, he does what he wants to do on the pitch. So he's he's just he's an outstanding player, isn't he? And probably the most magical player that I think I've ever seen at City. And and there's been some magical players in the past, but he's definitely um, the standout one, yeah. So Louisa, um, Harlan didn't answer it. I mean, sort of did at the end the standout player, but you know, I didn't really go for it. Is it your favourite player? Um, I think I, I'm probably going to sound a bit generalistic as well. Um, I think each sort of era, I'm not going to say decade, but era where there's a collective bunch of players that make a difference to any team, but our team. Um, you know, there are obviously the ones from the past that still stand out. But as, as someone that's... Um, attended more matches in uh, since 2008 than at any other time of my life um and since then even up to today then obviously in my mind he has he is yes um he is i would put him as number one right now um, because of that contribution and because of everything that he's done and achieved since he arrived in 2010. So, so yes, I, I will say strongly yes. He's not my all-time favourite uh, player as such. Um, Who is? Well, I, uh, I, I think currently, and it has been for a number of years, it's De Bronya. Um, you know, I had a very strong uh, following. I had a very strong feeling for Zabaleta for quite a number of years. And then, um, you know, when De Bonia came came over and started to play, it's it's been him. He is ultimate number one to me. But again, like Harlan, you know, I agree with Harlan. He's really just doing what Silver's always done. It's just that, you know, in the eyes of the world, Silver has never got that recognition, whereas De Bruyne is getting it, probably on the back of all the success we've had and the fact that now more and more people are watching us, even people that aren't City fans that are sort of watching us. Whereas for us as City fans, uh, Silver, yes, 100%, number one, I think, for oh, a long you're, time. You're in the singing section, so you know what the, the most vociferous City fans are saying around you and singing around you. Um, does David Silver get the type of you know love that he deserves, if for want of a better word, because you know you hear more songs, don't you, from perhaps about other other players? I mean, to be to be honest with you, that David Silver is one of those players that you never hear anybody say anything bad about him. Um, he's a quality player. He's one of them kinds of players that I think when we were all kids. I think you, you all wanted to be David Silva. Not that he was around when I was a kid, but you wanted to be that kind of player. You wanted to be that um, little midfield maestro that, you know, pulled the strings, the, the conductor, the orchestra. You know, we all wanted to be him. 
and what a lot doesn't get mentioned is, is what a, a model professional he is. Yeah. Um, you know, he lets his feet do the talking. He's not in the media, you know, for the wrong reasons, obviously. Um, you know, with his uh, with his son Matteo, he obviously he was in with that, but that was for a good reason. Uh, well, no, it wasn't a good reason. But you know what I mean? Um, he's just a model professional, and I, and I'm so sad to see him go because he he is what we'd all want to be as a footballer if we could be footballers. Has he been City's best player in this era, Paul? Um. It's, it's difficult because in, in that position he plays, it's difficult to sort of say really, you know, because he doesn't score the goals that, um, that Aguero scores. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, do the do the, the, the stuff that that uh, Torre did. But in that little role, in that little pocket, as an all-round player, for me, yeah. What about you, Andy? Well, I I think he's been the best. Uh attacking player we've had for the last decade, full stop. I think that particularly when he first came, before we had the likes of De Bruyne um, and Bernardo Silva, he stood out in the Premier League, not only at City. Mm. And, and we shouldn't underestimate uh, the value he's been to his country. I think he's probably got every single trophy Spain could, could win. Uh, he's missing out on one trophy, but the season isn't over yet. You never know, he might have the full set. Uh, we won't be there to watch it if we, if we get there, but uh, obviously he's not a Champions League winner. But other than that, he's won everything that he could have won in Spain and uh, and you know and, and here in in England. My uh, my youngest lad he started really going to a City season or two before um, we, we we signed Silver, and his first shirt was David Silver on the back, and he's never ever changed it in ten years. He's refused to accept any other player um, to, to have on the back of his shirt. And I think for, for somebody that age growing up, as, as Adam said, watching this magical player who, who rarely misses first choice team sheet, unless he's injured or personal circumstances, um, he's not been able to be sidetracked by any of the new players coming in. Foden has not had a look in. Bernardo has not played him instead of him unless he's had to. And I think that says an awful lot about him how he's viewed by the manager and by, you know, the press. Never a bad word. Model professional. Going to be really sorely missed, I think. What are you thinking, Will? Um, obviously, uh, you've seen his career while you've been watching football. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, um, David Silva was a player I was aware of a couple of years before he joined City, purely through, like, you know, football games and things like that. You sort of you grow fond to players that you've never actually seen because they were good on a football game and David Silva was one of them. So that transfer window where we signed Yaya Torre, David Silva and Jerome Boateng was just like, it was a massive turning point actually because it, it made me feel like we are a big club and we are signing worldwide renowned players. And it, it's come out since, you know, Madrid were after him, Barcelona made a big deal to try and sign him. We were the ones who, who made a big fuss and we were the ones who wanted him the most and obviously... It's all history from there and what a decision he made, really. I think Paul said it, though, he's missing one thing, the Champions League, and hopefully he can get that in his last. That'd be the perfect swan song, really. So if somebody was to say to you that the club were considering, you know, maybe doing a... I mean, the talk of, of being a Vincent Company statue, um, it hasn't actually happened yet, but clearly we're in lockdown and that might make a bit of a difference. But there is some talk of a, a Vincent Company statue. 
does David Silver fall into the same category? If that's the case, would you like to see a, a David Silver statue? Wouldn't need much marble for it, would it? Only be little, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It depends whether you're having his hair on it as well. <laughs> oh. Yeah, which, which style are you having on it? Are you having the Ian style or are you having the Will style? <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely, and um, definitely have a statue with David Silver. And I think what the club are doing—they're giving everyone a mosaic and a, and a pitch at the academy. We're probably going to run out of pitches soon because because we're actually getting legends, even though we're told by Reds that uh, we have no legends. Uh, even though you love Colin Bell and and you, you know, obviously he's a legend, but we have got legends coming coming through now, and and people that I can now call legends, legit, and they're all going to get a pitch and a mosaic each. Um, and then I think once every one of them's retired. Out of the four or five, they'll um, they'll then make a big statue of all four or five or however many they want to squeeze in. If Fernandinho goes on to have another two years, maybe he can be another one that gets considered for the uh, for the statue. It's funny because I've been making a few phone calls to City fans who are in isolation, particularly older fans, just recently. And I've been staggered by the number of older supporters, and I don't mean this in a, an ageist way, who, when I've said, who's your favourite player? Um, a lot of them have named David Silva, no doubt about that. But one or two have gone, Fernandinho. And I thought, oh, I thought it was only me. Um, but there is actually a lot of love out there for Fernandinho. And this is the trouble that if you do a statue, that where do you draw the line? You know, I mean, down at Arsenal, they have group uh, statues, which I think are great. Over at Old Trafford, they have uh, uh, best Lauren Charlton. And I wonder whether ultimately it needs to be a, a group like that. Is, is that something any of you would go along with or is it just one at a time? What about you, Adam? Um, I think it'd be an interesting idea. It'd be interesting to see what sort of photos we have out there of those players. You know, I think we've seen one uh, from the FA Cup last year where we had Fernandinho in there, we had Vincent Company in there, um, it may have been David Silva and there may have been one other player. It depends whether we would we would make something up or whether we've actually got a photo with the players that we'd want to include. Because um, obviously trophy celebrations are different now than they used to be where um, you, you'd have that sort of lifted up of the trophy, like we've got the World Cup, we've got Bobby Moore and stuff, lifting it up and the players around. It's all very spread out across the pitch and stuff and we've got different photos. So it'd be interesting to see what sort of nominations we'd have for something like a statue like that. Me personally, I wouldn't be giving anyone a statue apart from Vincent Company. I'd continue naming uh, pictures and mosaics and doing that type of thing. I think if we start having a, a full like Iron Men type, type thing around the around the stadium with so many statues and stuff, it can, just, it can water down the meaning of the statue. I think it'd be important. I think the Vincent Cubby statue should be the one and the rest should all fall behind him, I think, uh, as the leader of the club that has been over the last 10 years. Andy? Um, I'm not a really big fan of them, to be honest, but if there was to be one, um, the profile of David Silver that we have to put in marble or bronze is as he's turning with that left peg, making that pass to Jekko for the sixth one at Old Trafford. That's the yeah. profile of any statue. Well, obviously, Definitely. you know, it, it is a, a subject that won't really come to fruition until this is all, this is all over. Um, if if he now concludes his his season behind closed doors, does that? Does that, break, does that break anybody's heart a little bit? I mean, to me, I have strong feelings about games behind closed doors anyway. Um, over the weekend, German football came back 
like uh, behind closed doors. And I'm I'm a Schalke fan. That's my second team. And uh, I have to say, I, I had no interest in it and didn't watch it. And and then it didn't mean anything to me. And, and and I don't quite know how I'll feel when City start to play behind closed doors. But I'm I'm thinking more from the David Silver perspective just for now. In the you know the fact that we won't be there to see that last game as we would have been against Norwich City. Um, it, it, does that matter? Or Andy mentioned about winning more trophies. You know, if if David Silva lifts another trophy in an empty Wembley Stadium or something, it's still another trophy. Or, or does it bother you? It totally bothers me, to be honest. Um, the thought of David Silva not playing in front of the City fans again just kind of breaks my heart in a way, if I'm being honest. Um, how it'd just be typical City, to be honest, to. To, to the carry on the season, we win the FA Cup and we win the Champions League, and none of us are there to see it. You know, that 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 breaks me out. And I think, you know, if you're going to do these matches, you've got to be thinking about the fans, which obviously they're not doing, and you've got to get us get us fans back in there. To be honest, you, you, I watched some of the Bundesliga yesterday. Um, <laughs> I watched five minutes and had to turn it off. It was it was a joke, to be honest. What about you, Louisa? Uh, yeah, not a fan at all of anything behind closed doors. Um, certainly will feel like we've been robbed of those final moments of the season, let alone of David Silva's career, if um, he doesn't extend for another year. Um, you know, I mean, I wasn't aware that that was maybe a possibility. And I was sat here just before we started this meeting, um, just with a flash of, of a thought of thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful if he wanted to go out the way he should go out, the way he deserves to go out and retire. Nobody deserves to retire behind a closed door without a single fan in the stadium. That's absolutely ridiculous. And to be honest, I'm going to feel strong about this. I think it's quite disgusting to expect any player of his calibre and of everything he's achieved in his life to then suddenly play it behind a closed door. So... Um, you know, I, I, I am hoping that he is considering an extension to at least play it out the way it should, a career should be played out. Well, the others, yeah, go on. If, um, I hope you weren't talking about the extension because he doesn't actually need one. I've seen those photographs when he was in the uh, changing room at the uh, celebrating the end of the season. <laughs> and I hope they don't do a statue with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I really don't know what you're talking about, Paul. No, what, you can't tell us more. I've seen it. I know exactly what Paul's talking about. It's why he works in the garage, isn't it? Um, so yeah, we we um, we yeah. I I can't lie. I can't sit here and lie and say that I wasn't pretty excited on Friday night to see some football on TV. I, I can't I can't sit here and lie about the fact that I was looking forward to just seeing some football that wasn't from you know, the 1980s or 1990s being replayed on BBC iPlayer. Uh, I wanted something that was happening right now and, and that's just something that, that I, I was looking forward to. And then I, I watched a bit of it yesterday and it was it was, it was was all right. I mean, it was pretty creepy, pretty eerie. Said it to you on the phone hypothetically the other weekend that it's not going to be the same to hear people shouting and, and not hearing a crowd. Um, but at the same time, I think the players seem to en enjoy it and It'd be interesting to see what they thought of it, like Haaland and a couple of the German players and Bundesliga players, and actually ask them an honest opinion on how they found playing 
an empty stadium. But at the same time, when you then relate it back to us, and you talk about David Silva retiring in front of, like Louisa said, no stadium and no crowd, it, it, it kind of all brings it a bit closer to home. And then I'm on the other side of the fence where I'm going, well, that's no, not right. So it's a bit of a catch-22 for me. I don't want to be an hypocrite, but at the same time, I can't lie and say I didn't enjoy seeing some football back yesterday. Andy? Played golf uh, yesterday, uh, but recorded it just, just to see what a spectacle it was. And I think I got to about the fourth minute before I switched off this morning. Um, and you know, if you've been, as I think a few of us have, to that stadium, it's probably one of the most uh, fun, engaging experiences in Germany. Um, and just to see it played and, and to only hear the voices of the players, it's like watching a, like watching a kid's team. And so um, part of the other reason why I had to switch off was Steve McManaman was commentating. <laughs> <laughs> so they haven't exactly done themselves any favours there. Um, so, no, I don't think I'll be turning on the Bayern Munich game. I might have kicked off already. Um, doesn't doesn't appeal. I wouldn't have watched the Bundesliga traditionally anyway. So, um, I don't know how it'll be if the Premier League come back. Really See, ir ironically, I'm a passionate Schalke fan. There's no doubt that if yeah. City aren't playing and Schalke are playing, I'd watch it. Um, that first game back in the Bundesliga was a derby. And... Um, and I went out and I didn't watch it and I have no interest in watching it. And I've I've messaged fellow Schalke fans and said, how was it for you? Did you watch it? Were you excited by it? And this is their own team. And that's why I mentioned this, because um, the next question is, how will you feel when it's City that are playing? Will it, that make any difference? But a die-hard Schalke fan said to me, season ended for me, it's over, don't care what happens now. Um, he expressed a, a, a very strong view on that and said it was very sad that, that this was all happening. And this is without is, is even mentioning the uh, concerns about the players um, getting this terrible disease and spreading it to each other. Forget the behind closed doors or not, but just, just spreading it to them. I mean, imagine if, if David Silva, who admittedly isn't that old, certainly compared to me, but one of the older players, was to contract this disease and it was to affect him. Um, and and he couldn't play again, or it, and he he passed it on to his little lad, who we were also, um, you know, delighted that he survived and everything. Football would never be the same again to anybody, would it? So there's a whole lot of questions in there. I don't know which one of those you want to answer, or which I one think, you want to discuss. Um, sorry, is it all right if I jump in? Um, it it can't really be compared, but. We've obviously it's May, and we've just recently had a, you know the anniversary of Ayrton Senna's death again at, at Imola, and um, even on that weekend, it's not even in hindsight. Even on that weekend, you know it's a Formula One race for those who don't know, and there'd already been accidents. There'd already been the death of another driver the day before, Ron Ratzenberger, and there were there were calls from everybody to call this uh, race off. You know, none of the drivers were happy. They had a meeting, but they were sort of they did it, whether they were forced or not, I don't know, that's an allegation. Um, and then the inevitable happened to Ayrton Senna, which we know about, and, and he was awfully, tragically killed in an accident. And even since that day, every single year, I just mark it with a thought of, if only it hadn't have gone ahead. And this COVID is, is a dead cert. You know, they're not telling us how communicable this is, but it's looking like it could be, you know, 99.9%. .9%. Whether you get symptoms or not, whether you die from it or not, is another thing. 
And so for these matches to go ahead, and you're exactly right, Ian, and this is what I've been sort of trying to, trying to say all along, is that we shouldn't mm. be doing this. We shouldn't be putting these people at risk because it's not just the players anyway. The, these are a commodity as well. I mean, yes, they're humans, but they're a commodity. They're worth a heck of a lot of money to themselves, to a club, to, you know, to whatever. And yet you're risking their lives for, for a match, for a game. And um, this is when decisions really have to be made, serious decisions on, is it worth it? And you're absolutely right, taking it home to your family. And I mean, we don't know how Matteo is these days, but he will always be a, a extremely premature child. And we're not sure what that may give him, to, if, he, if anything happens for the rest of his life, uh, or if he's gonna be perfectly fit and healthy for the rest of his life. You know, we, we won't know that, we don't know that. But is he susceptible to this? What if David, David contracts it? What if he does take it home? It's all what ifs, but we're on the subject and we're talking about it. So, you know, I think it's a tragedy waiting to happen for somebody's, some, a player or for their family. Mm -hmm. Paul, I mean, you're obviously nodding along to some of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I watched the, the I've seen some photographs of the, the Bundesliga. Um, and the, it was just an amazing message that they were sending out because you had the players playing on the pitch, you know, not socially distancing, sweating on each other, picking up vapour, you know, spit, possibly, you know, you, I'm not saying it was spitting, but you're picking it up. Um, and then the camera panned to the, 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 the subs bench and they were all sat on the bench with the masks on and two metre distancing between themselves. And I thought, what's that? What message is that sending out? That's sending a message out that, it's okay to isolate on the pitch, on, on the side of the pitch, you'll be all right. But run around on the pitch, you'll be also all right. So, you know, what message has that sent out to, to anybody? It's just, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy to do it. Um, just, to, just to add to what, um, what she was saying there was, Matteo is fighting fit from what my wife tells me because she bumped into him in uh, Costco. Uh, with with David, which he's also always reminding me of, and he was running around like a little David Silver. So, you know, that was a few months ago. But all all being well, Matteo's bang on. He always drops that into every conversation. By the way, you have to accept that from Paul. this <laughs> long. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it sounds to me as if chatting to to the group of you here that um, you have reservations still about games behind closed doors. Um, but it does seem inevitable that it's going to happen um, unless there's some negative reaction that comes from this Bundesliga, um, you know, situation. Harlan, you're a, an obsessive football fan. Yep. Um, even though it says Jessica Lee on the, the picture we've got of you, um, we're, we're calling you Harlan today, aren't we? Is that you your weekend call, name? You can call yet? what you want, Ian. It's isolation. <laughs> what happens in isolation stays in isolation. So, uh, go on, go on, have your say. What, on the behind closed doors or David? Both. Yeah, listen, um, do I want to see football back? I said on the phone, um, yes, I want to see football back because I love football. But listening to you guys and, and considering everything, I don't really know the answer to the question. I mean, I think the Premier League are going are gonna to have it back anyway, regardless of what any of us say. So, if you're for it, then you're for it. If you're against it, you're against it. And no matter what, as people normally say in an unsexist way, uh, just 
say what you want and then do what the wife asks you to do. That's basically what the Premier League are going to do. Um, and they're basically going to make the decision for us. And, and if you decide to watch, watch. If you don't decide to watch, don't watch and just wait for next season. But to finish off from on my, on my behalf, on a David Silver note, what a genius player. A uh, bit like Will, saw him at Valencia and was in awe of him. Went to the World Cup, won the World Cup, came. And we knew what we had on our hands straight away. And he's just continued to deliver. I think, was it like 2014? He had a little dip for like maybe half a season where everyone said, David's lost it. And then he came back the season after and pulled it out the bag again. Um, and maybe that was just David doing what every player is allowed to do and just having a bit of an off time, maybe. Maybe he wasn't feeling fit enough or something, maybe. But over the over the last nine years, what an um, absolute genius player we've had on our hands. And no matter who you support, United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, or any team across the world, you'd all love to have a David Silver in your, in your camp. And I don't think anyone can say a bad word about him. Let me ask you all then, just to wrap up the David Silver chat, about your favourite memory. And, and I'm probably going to steal many of your favourite memory by saying <laughs> that um, I was commentating at Old Trafford uh, oh, yeah. when we won 6-1 <laughs> against United and David Silver put that pass through. And I know he's done some genius things consistently, match after match after match. He really is a, you know, an absolute magician with the football. And so it's, it's difficult to pick one out. But that pass um, in that situation, at that venue, at that moment in that game, will live with me forever. And because I was commentating, so I was full of emotion and I was I was into full uh, passion, you know, and City are battering United here in Old Trafford <laughs> mode, then that is the moment that will, will stand out for me. The only other thing I would say is that when uh, my, my lad was 18, uh, my younger lad, who's now 24, um, I decided because of the privilege I had of bumping into players in the tunnel, um, I cheekily um, decided that I, with my, my mobile phone, which I now use a lot more on vlogs and stuff than, than I did back then, that if I got just a few seconds with a player, I would ask them to do a little message for my son for his 18th birthday. And um, when David Silver did it, I, I got loads and loads of different players to do, which was fantastic. You should see the video, perhaps I should show it you sometime. But in terms of David Silver, uh, the one, the point I remember about him is he was absolutely the shyest. He was more than willing to, to contribute, but he was so shy and so quiet, so disarming, so natural that this it's hard to imagine that he's a world superstar. And I can't help thinking that the reason why him, and probably Sergio, have never quite received... I know us City fans love him and love, love the pair of them and love them all, actually. But the reason why he hasn't had the national and world accolades that he should have done, in my opinion, is because of that humbleness, that quietness. And, mm -hmm. and, and even though you very rarely hear him speak English, if at all, he probably speaks English a lot better than we all think. The fact that he's never pushed himself forward, he's never celebrated a goal by, by going, look at me, he's just done it and walked away and gone straight to the crowd of players that 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 is that is why he's like he is but he certainly was humble when i met him but for me that pass even though he's probably done other things even better better goals that pass will always be my memory of david silver so let's walk let's go around the room <laughs> our metaphorical room let's start with you will go on what's your outstanding memory of david silver uh, well, you were right in saying that you're going to steal everyone's because obviously that assist was possibly the world's greatest assist. 
Um, the, the main memory that sticks out for me, I would suppose, apart from that, is uh, his first goal, Blackpool away. Um, I remember he'd, he'd been at City for a couple of months. He'd been quite quiet, um, not as strong, not as... He hadn't, he hadn't excelled in the first couple of months. Anyway, he scored the goal at Blackpool where he's just jinked around three or four players, plumped it into the corner, and you thought, yeah, that's the silver that we've signed. So, funnily enough, I think his, his first goal is actually one of his best goals that he scored for us. Oh. Um, I think it's the image of him in his underpants in the changing room. <laughs> Just oh, you to bring oh, the tone oh, down. Oh, no. Paul, can you send me that? Thanks. He's got it up in the office, Paul, at Prestige. <laughs> I've not got a big, big enough wall. <laughs> Come on, you must have a goal or a memory or a situation. The situation I loved was when he brought Matteo onto the pitch, to be honest, when just after he'd, he'd got back. That was, he just brought him on the pitch and he was carrying him in his arms and it was an absolutely beautiful moment. And there's too many to mention. There's no, apart from that one you've mentioned, obviously, the rest, the rest of them are just the typical David Silver stuff. And that's the only other one that really stands in my mind. And I was... I was stood on terraces with a little tear in my eye, you know, thinking, oh, you know what? I looked around everybody else around me, you know, we're in the hard and stinging section here, and it was every single one of us was clapping with, with tears in our eyes. It was an amazing moment for me. So, as our former rugby uh, com- contributor who's supposed to be a tough guy, right? That's honest. Louisa, go on. Uh, right, okay. So, yeah, totally agree with the um, uh, Old Trafford match in 11. Um, and not only because of the goal, but, I mean, it created Balotelli's. It created that first goal. Um, then, obviously, scored goal number five. And then set up with the assist on Jekko six, which the both of them were in after the, you know, 90th minute, which were uh, just incredible. And what an incredible feeling after decades of not getting anywhere near that kind of a score. Um, so, yeah, that's of, that is definitely in my mind because that was our season anyway. That was the 11-12 season that led to us winning the Premier League. Um, so that all contributes to all those points and goals goal differences contributed to everything that followed um, and then the Blackpool for sure 100% the free kick passed it to Silva from from like the corner and it was almost like he had nowhere to go with it you know there was like no player available so he just bodged through a few players and scored himself and what what an amazing memory and absolutely you know what what anyone sits at home thinking oh well Blackpool no we know won't have anything said about any team no matter what division they're in any football team that's in a in a league is worthy of being there and they were a very good strong defended you know old-fashioned English team so I he did incredible but anyway that's not my memory now I've picked I'm going to pick I think I'm going to steal somebody's uh the corner assist to Jacko on the 13th of May, 2012, because that goal in the 92nd minute was the hope, was everything. That's what led to Aguero. You know, it really is in my view, you know, we were were two one down and that was everything. And he didn't score it himself, but the assist was there. And it's straight to the man, which is exactly what he was known for. You know, we've got him on on his genius technical ability, his first touch, you know, all of that business. But talk about picking the man out when you need him to be picked out, whether it's a game that's flowing or whether it's that corner that he took 
to give Jacko that second goal. That's me. Andy? Well, yeah, I said what I said about the, the pass earlier, unprompted, and I was uh, breathless in the away end uh, with those three going in so close together. I think I remember about that day probably the most about Silva seeing something special, probably his greatest game for City. And I think it goes back to the season before when, you know, we, we knocked United off their perch in the semi-final and went on to win the cup. And they went back to Wembley and Barcelona tore them to pieces. And then I knew when I saw, you know, Silva playing, I thought, we've got a player here who is, he, he's like Javi, he's like Iniesta, he can play that kind of football. And I didn't know then what we know now is that we've built a team effectively around around Silva and a couple of other players in the spine. Um, you know, and I think that his longevity at the club says a lot about how much he's enjoyed playing under the managers. And it was Mancini who is, is, is widely applauded for doing all the groundwork to get him to come. A lot of calls went in. So, you know, Brian Marwood did a lot of good things around that time, but Mancini, it would appear, was, was quite instrumental in getting him. So, so in terms of the, the goals and everything you've said about the Blackpool game, and, and I just remember he just, he's a, he's a goal poacher. People forget how many are only from five or six yards. There's, there's so many of them. Um, and probably, you know, he was up against somebody like Lampard and Hazard and being compared to their outside-the-box thrillers. And he had a couple of free kicks and the odd long distance. But Silva's the most unselfish player I've ever seen. And he would often pass it when he didn't have to pass it in favour of, in favour of giving a goal. So, you know, I can't really say an, an awful lot more than um, for me, um, you know, I've got a lot of lot of that in my heart for Zabaleta, always will have. But I think Silver, yeah, probably the greatest footballer we've had in this decade. Um, and, and hopefully we'll be talking the same about Fernandinho and De Bruyne and, and, and a few others in years to come. Yeah, so I'm going to leave the final word to Harlan. He loves that because he gets yeah. it a lot. Go on, Harlan. Yeah. <laughs> to add to what Andy said, Ian, bang on. Um, I read something last week. I believe it to be as, as true as it was told to me. Um, Mancini, when he first came to the club after user departed, said that if we buy David Silver, he said to Caldoun, if you get me David Silver, the rest will come. I'll win you the league. I'll win you the FA Cup. Um, and loads more will come. Um, he's the one I want. He's the pivot in the team. And we'll build around David. So Andy's bang on with that. Um if he played for anybody else as well, just to mention this before I mention my, my favourite moment, if he played for anybody else in the league, he'd have won player of the season at least four or five times, I think. Um, because he plays for us, he's not got the accolades that he deserves. And the same goes for Sergio. Um, but there's one moment they'll never take from Sergio, and that's the Aguero moment. They can take all the awards they want from him. I said that on my Twitter video the other day. But he'll never take his, um, his moment away in 2012. Um, with regards to goals, there's three. Wills, um, bang on, um, epitomises David Silver, that, the agility that that boy has, the skill he has. That goal says everything away at um, Blackpool. And, and uh, I'm sure the Blackpool fans applauded it as well because in my lifetime watching City, I've clapped other teams' goals against us. And I think if you're a true football fan and you see something magical, um, you tend to maybe, maybe clap uh, an opposition goal if it's something beautiful. I did it with Falcao when he chipped Caballero for Monaco a couple of years ago as well, that chip against us in the Champions League. But going back to David, yeah, that um, goal at Blackpool, Louise has banged on with us. Um, something that I don't think many City fans have thought about. But, you know, Jekyll's goal was massive and David was the man that put that on a plate 
uh, and Jekko uh, nicely put it into his belly and, and got us two all in the game and then Aguero got his moment. But my favourite moment of David Silva's is one that everybody might have forgotten and it's against Wigan Athletic at the Etihad when Sergio Aguero scored a hat-trick. You might remember it, Ian. And David Silva does this outrageous bit of skill in midfield where he has the ball at his feet. He's closed down in a three-man press. Somehow finds his way out of it with a, with a drag back and then plays Sergio through for, I think it was Sergio's third goal where he slots it past El Abzi. And that was the most magical thing I've ever seen for a player to get out of a three-man press the way he did and play it through to Aguero to secure King Kun's hat-trick against Wigan Athletic was absolutely amazing. And that, for me, is my standout moment at David Silvers. And again, epitomises what the man's all about. Well, thanks very much for you know, contributing your thoughts on David Silver. Let's hope we do get to see him play in the stadium again and not just on television. I, I for one, want to be there and um, desperately want to be in the stadium again to see him. Uh, and let's hope that happens. Uh, thanks very much to you for, for listening and watching. Uh, thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk for their contribution uh, to uh, supporting this, uh, the, the podcast certainly, and the vlogs throughout the season. Hot Click Marketing and the RRG Group have done that as well. So thank you. Uh, we'll do another, uh, another vlog and another podcast very soon. In the meantime, keep safe and we'll see you soon.